everyone, it's Natasha Crane. I've got a fairly short episode for you today because this is just going to be the audio version of a blog post for this week, but I wanted to make sure it was available to those of you who prefer to listen uh, through the podcast rather than just read it, so I'm going to go ahead and record it. But I do have a couple of announcements before we get to the main topic, just in case you've missed these in other places. So I announced last week on social media, first of all, that my publisher is doing something awesome as a pre-order bonus for my new book, Faithfully Different. If you pre-order the book before January 31st, so now is a good time to do that, if you pre-order it, you get the audiobook for free with it. So this is really cool, and I think it's going to be especially of interest to those of you who are listening to the podcast because you like listening to stuff. And really, this is going to be like one long multi-episode podcast series when you listen to the book because I'm going to be the one reading it. So I'm really excited about that. I have had audiobook versions of my prior books, but I've never been the one to read them. So this is going to be something really cool for me to do, and I hope it'll be cool for you to be able to listen to the author reading it too. So all you have have to do to get the free audiobook is pre-order a hard copy of the book through whatever retailer you want to use. You can get it on Amazon or Christian Book, Barnes & Noble, whatever you prefer. And then there is a form, a very brief form to fill out on my website. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And that's all you have to do for the redemption. It just asks for your name and your email address and where you bought the book. Super simple. It'll only take a minute. So go ahead, make sure you pre-order the book and then go to my site to that link and you can fill out the form to redeem it and then you'll get the audiobook for free when it comes out. So that's very cool. And please do share about this with others that you know. If you're excited about the book and the message of the book that I've been talking about on the podcast, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So uh, please do take a minute to share that with others you might know and tell them, hey, you can get the audiobook for free with it. My second announcement is that now through the end of this week, so November 14th, Sunday evening, we're accepting applications to be part of the launch team for Faithfully Different. So I'm really excited about the launch team. I've had a lot of people asking about it. Now's the time to apply. And if you're not familiar with what that means, if you've never seen one of these before, let me just briefly tell you about it. A launch team is a group of people who are excited about the release of a new book and they want the opportunity to read the book before anyone else. And in turn, they're willing to help the author spread the word about it. So if this is something that you're excited about, this whole message of Faithfully Different is how Christians can regain biblical clarity in a secular culture rather than letting culture secularize our faith, I would love to have you join the team. I'm going to put another link in the show notes to a blog post where I explain the details of this and give you a link to the launch team application. It's a really simple application. It's not going to take you long to do. But just to give you a couple of the basics, if you join the team, you get a free physical copy of the book before the release day, as long as you're in the U.S. You will get a digital version of the book in early December, so two full months before anyone else gets to read it. And then you'll get membership in a private Facebook group with me and everybody else on the launch team. And we're going to read the book together and have some really great discussions about it. And I'm really looking forward to that. So you can basically meet a whole lot of like-minded people who are concerned about our culture, concerned about people not having having a biblical worldview anymore and engage in some great conversations in preparation for the book to come out. And then obviously, uh, hopefully you will help spread the word because you love the message of the book. 
And really all you're agreeing to do as part of the team is to read the book between December 1st and January 31st. Like I said, we're gonna be reading it together, so that should give you accountability and encourage you. And you agree to put a review on one of the retailers' websites where you would get it, and then just help spread the word. So it's it's very easy to do. All you have to do, there's a form that you fill out, and we'll be notifying launch team members next week. Okay, with the announcements to the side, let's go ahead and get started with this week's podcast topic. This is from my blog post called How Culture Got to the Point Where Saturday Night Live is Promoting Abortion in a Clown Outfit. So this weekend, if you didn't see it, Saturday Night Live cast member Cecily Strong played a character called Goober the Clown who had an abortion when she was 23 and now talks to people about just how normal abortion is in between clown jokes. So Goober the Clown explains in this skip that it's a quote-unquote rough subject, so she does fun clown stuff to make it more quote-unquote palatable. Now, in the context of her skit, saying that it's a rough subject wasn't a tacit admission that abortion is in some way wrong, as you might think. It was a condemnation of those who make it rough to talk about because they have a problem with it. Now, if you can stomach it, and I do say if you can stomach it because it is hard to watch, uh, I will put a link to the clip. It's a four-minute clip in the show notes. And as much as it is hard to watch and it's troublesome, I do encourage you to watch it because I think that as Christians, we should be well aware of what's going on in culture and what's being promoted and you have to see it. So please do take a minute to watch that. So yes, the intentional killing of preborn babies has become fodder for a comedy skit, something literally worth clowning around about. Every single one of us should be asking how on earth we as a culture have arrived at such a moment. And if we're not asking that question, we have become completely desensitized to evil. Now, in one sense, the question of how we got here is a very complex one worth hundreds of pages of historical, philosophical, political, and theological history. And if you're looking for something of that nature, I can think of no better resource than Carl Truman's book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Cultural Amnesia, Expressive Individualism, and the Road to Sexual Revolution. I'm going to put a link to this amazing book also in the show notes. We're going to have a lot of links today there. But in another sense, the question is actually far more straightforward when you understand the nature of the secular worldview that dominates our culture. So in chapter eight of my book that's coming up that I've been talking about, Faithfully Different, I talk about, and this is a chapter title, reaffirming biblical morality under the pressure of secular virtue signaling. As I explained in that chapter, there are a lot of nuances to what people popularly call virtue signaling, but my objective there was really quite simple to take the moral statements people and institutions publicly make at face value and assume, number one, they truly believe the position they're stating is the morally good position to have, and number two, they believe there's some kind of value in stating that position publicly. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bothered to say anything at all. What I show is that these bare bones aspects of virtue signaling play an important role in promoting the secular moral consensus over and against a biblical view of morality. 
So to do that, I break down the psychological process of moral buy-in that secular culture has to go through in order to gain acceptance of a changed moral position. And I show how it goes through these stages of awareness and then normalization and then ultimately celebration of the new moral position. While in that chapter, I take a more detailed look at each stage, for my current purpose, I just want to highlight key points for understanding the normalization part of the process. Goober the Clown clearly wanted us to all feel just how normal abortion is with her skit, and it's important to understand just how culturally strategic and predictable that is. The focus on portraying abortion as normal, and therefore good, is no accident. So why is normalization in particular so important for gaining secular moral buy-in? That's what I want to answer with the rest of this. As I explain in chapter 8, quote, To understand the answer, we need to return to three of our secular worldview foundations. And these were discussed earlier in Faithfully Different. Feelings are the ultimate guide. Happiness is the ultimate goal. And judging is the ultimate sin. On the one hand, secularism is all about the individual defining their own journey. On the other hand, if there's a negative prevailing societal judgment about the morality of certain choices, it can make people question the validity of their journey, whether they want that gut check or not. Yes, the secular ideal is to live in a self-contained, judgment-free zone, but when the reality is that there's a holy God who defines morality and gives humankind an inner sense of right and wrong, there will be a battle fought with the conscience. Through virtue signaling, publicly proclaiming the moral good of an action, people are fighting this inner battle in the public sphere, end quote. The battle commonly takes three steps. Number one, publicly proclaim that the action leads to the holy secular grail of happiness. If it makes you happy, how could it possibly be wrong? For those who believe that happiness is the ultimate goal, it makes a powerful statement to juxtapose a morally questionable action with the achievement of secularism's greatest good. Abortion, for example, is commonly portrayed as the means through which a woman becomes free to happily pursue the life she wanted and the goals that she had. And this is exactly what you see in the Goober the Clown skit, where she talks about the fact that abortion is what allowed her to ultimately be a clown on TV at this point. Number two, proclaim it with as many people as possible to demonstrate that there's no shame in the action. If everyone's willing to tell the world they've done it, clearly there's nothing to be ashamed of. Here is perhaps the most important thing that you can take away from this podcast. Here it is. Given that secularism doesn't defer to an objective higher authority, the closest thing it can have to a moral standard is the popular consensus. I am going to say that one more time just to make sure that everybody catches it. Given that secularism doesn't defer to an objective higher authority, the closest thing it has to a moral standard is the popular consensus. This is the key to understanding a whole array of activism that we see today. Increasing the number of people who share a positive moral judgment of an action is a proxy for transforming that action into a moral good for those who otherwise would have no objective external standard. 
Goober the Clown talks about how once a woman goes out on a limb in a social group to say that she's had an abortion, several more will say, me too. Her message is clear, and it sounds like something out of a bad 1980s commercial portraying peer pressure to do drugs. It's basically, everybody's doing it, so it's fine if you do too. And that brings us to number three in the battle plan, the secular battle plan for popular moral consensus. Remind everyone that life is all about self-authority anyway. Sure, you've shown it's possible to justify your moral choice in steps one and two, but this reminds people that you never really had to anyway. Goober the Clown says right up front that it should all just be part of her quote-unquote clown business, but people keep talking about it, so she has to as well. Normalization is ultimately a process of publicly signaling to society that an action is so commonplace it's unnecessarily taboo. Normal is the social validation that secularism needs to minimize conflict with the conscience. Perhaps nowhere has that been so on display as in this skit. If we can show that a subject is so unnecessarily taboo that we can discuss it in a clown outfit, surely it must not be a bad thing, right? Christians, don't be surprised by any of this. Secular culture will undoubtedly continue to clown around with evil. It's actually quite predictable. It's the modus operandi for suppressing truth in unrighteousness. That's all for today, but I do want to just add on to the end of this that I use this with my kids in our homeschool today. It was sort of like a real-time switch in the lesson plan for a worldview. I scrapped what I was going to do. And instead, I just took this opportunity to show them the video. So I'm homeschooling my seventh grade twins. I showed them the Saturday Night Live skit. And as we were watching the video, I would pause it and I talked a little bit about what she was saying just to clarify what she was going through right there. And then afterwards, we read through what was the blog post that this podcast is based on together to hit home in these concepts. And I pointed back as we were reading through it, I pointed back to how this relates to what we saw in the video. It was a great discussion. And if you have kids who I'd say are middle school age and up, this kind of thing is what really makes for great conversations with your kids because it's current and it's topical. They can see that you're not just talking about some kind of philosophical concept that you read about in a book somewhere, but that this actually relates to the everyday kinds of stuff that's going on in our culture. And it's powerful to be able to break down what someone is talking about when they're coming from the secular perspective and how it relates to these concepts that we've been talking about here, about just how important normalization is in our culture so that people feel confident in the morality of what they're choosing. So they feel affirmed because the group has basically said it's okay. So this makes for a great conversation with your kids. I'd really encourage you to take the time, watch the video with them, listen to this podcast together or read the blog post. I'll have a link to it in the show notes and and have these conversations with your kids. These are perfect opportunities. That's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you haven't done it before and you're enjoying the podcast, would you please just take a minute and give the podcast a review or rating on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening or whatever other app that you're in. I'd really appreciate it. It helps more people find out about the podcast and it means a lot to me personally. Thanks so much for your time. I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.